As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Irving and for a change, I'm stood alongside Andy Mitten and Laurie Whitwell here inside Old Trafford. Manchester United have played out a very entertaining and eventful 3-2 win over Arsenal. Cristiano Ronaldo has scored his 800th and 801st career goal to win United this game, but somehow that's not the biggest story of the night because Michael Carrick, the caretaker manager, Andy Mitten, is going to ride off into the sunset with the best win percentage of any Manchester United manager. He's stepping aside. What's your reaction? You've just robbed my question. I was going to ask him there. I put my hand up to ask him that in the press conference and then uh, yeah, I put my hand down by accident and so I didn't get a chance to ask him. Um, Michael, I know you absolutely love this podcast, so you have got the best record ever as a Manchester United manager and um, you know, you, you're know you up there with Ferguson for what you've done as, as Manchester United manager in these couple of games. Seriously, I think he conducted himself very well in the short time. I don't know his reasons for stepping aside. I think you've got to respect them. He was a top player here and he really impressed me in his, his short spell as manager, the way he dealt with us as journalists. Um, when we asked him questions, he gave us detailed answers. But when you're the manager, it's all about results. Um, that, that win in Villarreal last week was a, a really, really good win. Um, the draw at Chelsea, if Fred would have um, had his shooting boots on, he could have had a 100% record. And then um, I thought that was a thrilling game tonight especially for a neutral none of us are neutral but yeah I, I really enjoyed that game tonight so I think Carrick I don't know in a cliche mode saying he leaves with his head held high I know he, he liked Ollie a lot respected Ollie a lot and was surprised when he went into training last week to have it put onto him that he would he would be manager I think he was very professional how, how he dealt with that only he'll know his reasons. I mean, he might have accepted the Real Madrid job and he's moving there tomorrow. We just we just don't know at the moment. But he leaves with a very good um, report card from most United fans. Yeah, I just spoke to Michael Carrick pitch side uh, for an interview and he sort of said it was for family reasons. He said he promised his family that he was going to spend some time with them when he retired from football. And instead of doing that, he's just jumped straight into coaching, which he said probably takes up more time than actually playing. Um, was that the same message in the press conference that you just sat in, Laurie? 
yeah, that, I thought that was the main takeaway. Um, I managed to raise my hand and, and keep it raised, so I managed to sneak a Well done. <laughs> it's, this, we're doing an impress conference in, in person tomorrow, aren't we, with, with Ralph Rangnick? So that'd be nice, you know, raising our hands in, in person. I um, forgot Ralph Rangnick when I started off this podcast, actually. I should have announced that he was here as well. Yeah, never mind. He was in the stands just to the left of us, clapping Cristiano Ronaldo's goal. He looked um, quite, quite pleased, but equally a lot for him to consider. You know, some of the defensive um, situations weren't the best. But, you know, Michael Carrick, I thought I was shocked, you know, that the, the full-time whistle goes he got a really long hug from Bruno Fernandes and I thought okay in hindsight that's what he was giving him a hug for but he said he only told the players in the dressing room afterwards and, and they were pretty shocked he told his close coaches to Kieran McKenna at lunchtime today um, and he said it was found it quite hard to actually keep it a secret from people for the last couple of days he, he decided before meeting Ralph Rangnick that, that that's what he was going to do to step aside and I think you're right the family thing because I think if you think about it been a play for so many years it's intense it's Manchester United the focus is always there and then if he's told his family he's going to retire and spend some time with them and then oh actually no I'm going to coach and then oh actually I'm going to be the caretaker manager for a bit the intensity is huge and he probably I guess experienced a lot of different um, you know directions he was pulled in he mentioned um, that his son wants to take his son wants him to take him in the away end at United so we might see yeah, him back at a United well, yeah. game soon um, which, he's been in the away end hasn't he? I think he was at Anfield wasn't he yeah. that one time so. Darren Fletcher I think actually on the touchline together tonight well, that's quite, yeah, like, quite a nice, nice little uh, juxtaposition the hood up I think it was wasn't it? trying to keep a low profile but he quickly got found out um, so that'd be nice to see him again but yeah I, I agree with Andy I think he's, he's actually done really well in this situation he has been scrutinised you know Roy Keane and, and Paul Scholes said some pretty things and I think actually in, in the circumstances done really well I mean, even tonight you know he got asked about leaving Cristiano Ronaldo out uh, and and leaving Bruno Fernandes that was my question to him about the Bruno Fernandes hug and he said I think he was still complaining about me leaving him out against Villarreal so he's, he's he was quite deft at that and, and had quite a nice humour about him so he's obviously a really nice guy and yeah he leaves with everyone's best wishes. You said before about not sort of using cliches with Michael Carrick but it's very easy to do that because he has been a great servant to the club he has won a lot of things and he is leaving with his head held high isn't he? Yeah he is he was a top player and he got a lot of um, plaudits when, when he finished his time as a player although I remember times when the fans were properly on his back I remember interviewing him in 2010 and putting the questions out on, on the internet uh, saying if anyone's got any questions for Michael Carrick and the first one was like why don't you leave and I'm like whoa you know there were times where he really was a scapegoat but I think he came through all that played a huge number of matches like top top 15 top 10 and um, won, won the lot so I really liked him when I first saw him play for, for West Ham as, as a young lad and sometimes an away a, a player catches your eye and he caught mine when, when he was at West Ham and he was a big success here and good person. We've all been fortunate enough to interview him loads of times. He's got a good humour about him. I just think he's a nice lad and whatever he wants to do, I think you've, you've got to respect that. Bottom is quite sad because I'm sure he's got something where he could have been an addition to Manchester United. But I felt the same way when, when Nicky Butt went earlier on this year. And I know that there's people in the club who feel exactly that way. They're saying like, um, you know, but he should still be here. And... It's such a subjective industry and I think Michael was part of a coaching staff where he was well regarded but while we can speak well of him, that team has been failing. It's been failing really badly. Manchester United shouldn't be where they are in the league. Tenth heading into this game you know, tonight, weren't they? Miles off the top. This was the season we were supposed to challenge for the league title and it's been dreadful. 
and you know, if we want to be negative the team can't keep a clean sheet at Old Trafford I'm not going into Roy Keane mode here and I enjoyed that game tonight but that was the first win at Old Trafford in a league game since um, Newcastle yeah 11th of September That's ridiculous yeah uh, and he's got his reasons and uh, as you said the, the family reasons football takes an awful lot out of people and the lads of his generation they don't actually need the money they've made the money financially I'm not saying that money is a motivation for them because the coaches aren't particularly well well paid um, but they've made enough money to go off and you know ride into the sunset and in Michael's case with the best ever record as a United manager if I was him I'd make loads out of that I'd, I'd, should, <laughs> we have yeah we have he should be basically saying when's my statue being built you know <laughs> as a manager when we're getting a stand named after me you brought it back from Roy Keane mode there very well, Andy, actually. But before you consider going back into it, let's hear from Michael Carrick then. This was him speaking just shortly after it was announced on the full-time whistle that he was to leave Manchester United. It's not been an easy one to make, to be honest, but I feel it's the right one. I'm, I'm, I'm content with my decision. I feel, I feel quite happy. I've, um, I was meant to take some time off after I finished playing and I promised the family that we'd have some time together. And uh, It's never happened and I think I've thrown myself into to to, to work in here for, for so long that um, it just feels like it's the right time to, to, to step away. I mean, it's, you know, I'll be back around the place. I'm not, I'm not disappearing, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just the right time. I and mean, what a way to finish. It's a perfect night, really. What, when did you make the decision? And, and it's your decision, correct? Not the club's decision? Yeah, 100% my decision, yeah. 100% my decision. Um, just, yeah, over, over the last week, really, a, a little bit, it was, it was creeping in and... Um, I was conscious and I respected the club and I respected the new manager coming in that I wanted to make the decision before I had any contact with him or spoke to him. There was no crossover whatsoever. And I thought it was the right thing to do for, for the club as, as much as, as uh, for Ralph. And, um, and yeah, once I made the decision, that was, that was final and I, I was quite happy with that too. I mean, I mean, some people had said oh, that Michael Carrick should have left with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Was that in, in your mind as well? Was that a factor in this decision? Um, no, well, listen. It's easy. It's easy to say that, and and yeah, there was a part of me, a big part of me, is is, is um, to do that. But at the same point, we we were in a situation where um, there was a responsibility for me to to see this these three games sure, through. But, it, but was it a factor in in your decision now that that loyalty, if you like, with Oli? Um, a little bit, yeah. Of course it was because I, I owe Oli an awful lot. I just said to the players and the staff there of, of the way the way we've worked together and we, you know, good 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 people in there. Sometimes you, you get what you deserve. Sometimes you don't. You know, we've have worked so hard to to try and bring some success here in, in recent years, and you know, it's it's hard to take when you don't quite get to them heights. But um, great times, great memories. Uh, proud of the players over over the last three games and tonight. Give everything, and you know, in some ways, it was the perfect night. But it's it's not about me. It's about the players in the in the club. Did the players know before, or have you just just told oh, I just told them about five minutes ago. Then how did it go down? Um, probably a bit shocked, yeah, a bit surprised, uh, a little bit emotional in the changing room, to be honest. But um, I kind of expected that. I, I held it together just about. But um, yeah, it's it's not been easy to to keep it away from people. I must admit, over the last few days, but I, I, I had a job to do, you know, and and I was desperate to to win the game for the club and for the fans and for the players. So I was kind of I'm not the important one here. Laurie, so one thing actually from this, obviously we saw Ralph Rangnick in the stand here at Old Trafford for the first time. He's going to speak here at this stadium in the morning for the first time as United boss as well. Before we speak about him though, 
this is a new era, isn't it, for United, even if it's a sort of temporary era, so to speak, that's starting. So will Michael Carrick be the only high-profile departure, do you think, or could there be more? It really will be interesting, actually, because he's obviously he's the one taking this decision. So, But it will be interesting once Ralph Ranjit gets in the building and assesses everybody what he thinks the makeup of his staff needs to be because you might get a situation where you've got too many cooks you know, spoiling the broth and you know, they already have a, a pretty large staff Manchester United, you know, set-piece coach, now I did two goalkeeping coaches, um, Darren Fletcher was again you know, on the, on the touchline um, you know, giving instructions and, and listening to his headset with the analysts who were sat just behind us it was quite interesting actually hearing some of their sort of points as, as things were going on, one little tidbit was that Fred should have fouled uh, Martinelli I think when he was running through because McTominay was already on a booking so you know, it was like <laughs> one, of the, one of you take him out but you know Neither one did. Cynical, I like it. Yeah, he got the Fernandinho's about him sometimes. He needs it, but I thought he had a pretty good game, Fred. All, all, all things considered, a bit chaotic, but like Manchester United, really. Um, but yeah, now Ralph Rangnick will get in the building. He's obviously only just come into England, you know, this week, and he's only just got his visa. He's not got much time though. When you look at the the turnover, I mean, I know United have got a gap around Christmas of about nine days, haven't they? When they don't have a game because um, the way the fixtures fall, that's probably his best coaching period that he'll have in the whole you know season um, so really anything that he wants to instill he's, he's only going to have a few opportunities to do so and that might be a bit of a shock to him given in Germany they've obviously got the winter break and, and it's, you know, there's only 18 teams in the Bundesliga so there's not as many fixtures so that'll be an interesting thing for him to consider and I suppose yeah once he gets in here who what does he want each individual to do? We're told that he wants to bring assistant in possibly a video analyst as well and maybe a third one it's still to be decided. I think again. I think they're having perhaps they've got to go through work permit and visa sort of applications. So that's that's still to be decided. But that's gone well so far, hasn't it? Well, yeah. It took a while, didn't it? But then um, and, and a few questions. You know, I did a Ralph Rangnick Q and A yesterday, and a few questions were like, um, "Is he definitely coming?" <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "No, no, no problem." And then you obviously could have had egg in my face. But no, I think when United say they've they've got a guy that they've got lawyers and they know how to handle these things. But it was actually nice to see him in the flesh. He is here. Yeah. He arrived at four thirty. Did you say Ian? Four thirty. Yeah. He had his dinner here. Bless him. <laughs> it's going to be the most relaxed pre-match sort of preparation he's going to have this season, I think, isn't it? Sort of a, a quiet meal, because there's barely anyone inside Old Trafford when I get here at half past four, but Ranjit was here having his dinner. Amazing. Right, we'll talk more about Ralph, certainly, in a minute, but we need to react to this game, Andy, as well, don't we? Because that was a huge win for Manchester United. Old Trafford is pretty much empty, apart from a few security guards and us. We can hear the pitter-patter of the rain. <laughs> We're, we're dry, that's the important yeah, it's not, thing. It's not leaking, the roof is sometimes a bit leaky, but it's actually quite nice right now. We can confirm this section is keeping us dry, yeah. That was a huge win, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And if you... It's a six-pointer. Again, not going to slip into cliche mode, but if Arsenal would have won that match and they went ahead, what that, what that gap would have been? Eight, nine points. That's a big, big gap so early on in the season. It's already a huge gap uh, to, to the top, but just to get a win... Uh, in a league match at home because the, the, the home form has been really, really poor against an informed Arsenal team who turned the season around after a very poor start to the season. Arsenal's away form is is not very good, but I saw tonight some really good players like Smith Rowe, Martinelli. The times when they were carving through Manchester United's them sort of spaces behind the midfield and in front of, of the defenders and I wouldn't have been stunned if they got an equaliser at the end I thought towards the end that's when Victor Lindelof really grew into the game for Harry Maguire had a decent match it was better well. wasn't it yeah, it was better and he hooked the ball away like a couple of minutes before the end did some really good passing you um, see that really obvious attempt to waste time at the end where he pretended he thought it was a free kick I love that from, <laughs> from Maguire fantastic 
So a free free two win um, during a spell when there's a lot of league games where United can move back up, but I'm also seeing them top three just winning all the time, thinking, what is the ceiling now? Is it just to get to fourth? And that that's my worry. And I'm thinking that would actually be a success. And I wrote a piece for the Athletic today. What what does success look like for for Ralph Ranick? And could United get to third? At the way I see it at the moment, I just I just can't see that happening. So you could get an improbable victory in a cup competition because of the cup competitions. Um, do I see United winning the Champions League this year? No, I mean even tonight there were large elements of that game which were completely chaotic where you're thinking Arsenal could score here and Lurie touched on Fred you know he, he, he's given the ball away and again he actually had a good game and he's having a, a good little run I asked Michael Carrick about him yesterday and put something online about him and the reaction was really negative he's not a popular player mm. among um, a lot of United fans so Ralph Ranick, who was wearing leather driving gloves if I'm not mistaken tonight very German yeah, and um, he's got a, he's got a huge job to do. He's, he's come with a really good um, CV, and when you're seeing people like Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp talking so well about him, it fills people with optimism. And I stood outside the ground for three hours tonight, and I spoke to lots and lots of people, and they were optimistic. But they're always going to be when a new manager comes in, just like a new player comes in, because it's your fresh new toy, and they want to see it in action. But if you don't win in the first six matches, People are going to be right onto him, and and already some people have said to me, cynical types, admittedly. What's he done? He's in Moscow. What's going on here? And so there's that element always waiting to bite, and that's understandable because this season so far has been a failure, with a capital F for Manchester United. It's been poor, and I enjoyed that, and I really enjoyed the win in Villarreal, although it wasn't a classic performance, but the league table's not lying the, the best teams are miles ahead of United at the moment Laurie I saw Cristiano Ronaldo press tonight did you see it? <laughs> I saw him press in the 83rd minute absolutely it, was, it wasn't even a press it was like a, a one man a charge a wasn't it? demon mission <laughs> uh, you know and he's got Gabriel and I'm, I'm saying I don't think that's a foul and then the replay's coming oh yeah okay fine he has tugged him down <laughs> but I mean sprinting it was almost like here we go I've, I've had all this criticism I'm going to show you I can, I can do it late on in a game and there was other moments where he was obviously moving in certain positions where I thought United's, I thought United's press when Arsenal had a goal kick was actually pretty coordinated today maybe it could have been better more intense but maybe that's what Ranjit could work on but it seemed like at least there was some organisation behind it and as I say it, it kind of got them into difficult positions Arsenal a few times but I mean yeah clearly he's also delivered in the most crucial element of the game in terms of scoring goals interesting that he took the penalty obviously we've not seen United get a penalty it's been a long run for United not to get a penalty considering you know how many penalties they've had over the last couple of seasons and there was no question he was taking it similar technique to Bruno just got it under the crossbar um, and I mean but his, his finish you know I mean the, the shot just before then when he on, onto his left and, and Ramsdale did a good save and then the finish itself it wasn't obviously it was a you know, pretty simple um, task for him but he still had to you know caress it in the right way you know absolutely into the corner Ramsdale's dive I love that you know absolutely no way near it but I've still got a dive just good to, on the pitches didn't it exactly you know it is Ronaldo's 800th career goal as well. Ramsdale will always be in that picture now, <laughs> diving at least. <laughs> That's it. If he'd stood there, anyone would, oh, he's just you know, tapped it in. Um, and yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a good way to bring up the 800, wasn't it? You know, and, and the crowd, you know, 
revelled in it, didn't they? And a couple of the players, you know, Sancho and Tellez decided to do the old CU celebration as well. Um, but I thought he, I thought he looked, you know, determined tonight, Ronaldo. You know, and I think pretty much, I'm not sure how much Ranić can change that team into what he might considered to be the I mean you know you could maybe go to a back three if, if Ferran's fit but with the players that are currently available you know I look at Diogo Dallo and I think he did a really good job deputising for Wan-Bissaka that, that pass to, uh, to Rashford for, for Ronaldo's goal he was just he was thinking positively and, and doing things quite you know uh, at a moment's notice it wasn't like he was sort of considering what to do with the ball and it was a bit hesitant um, and I thought Alex Tellis as well did you know pretty good you know as left back with Luke Shaw having a bit of a dip recently so it'll be interesting to see what Ranić chooses but I kind of there was moments where it looked fraught again and probably a better team would have picked United off Arsenal clearly are okay but they're about at the same level as United and actually United have got a bit more firepower at the moment so they ultimately won the game and I think they also had a kind of you know Michael Carrick spoke about feeding off the energy of the crowd and I think they did do that and I think that's what got them the win in the end yeah, again, save the Ralph chat just for a minute if we can. I promise we will talk about the new United manager in a minute. But just, let's round off this game, Andy. It didn't matter in the end, but what do you make of that first goal? It was bizarre, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I feared when I first saw it, that's a goal, that. And I, I don't think Arsenal's players thought it was right at the start. And I just thought this is actually um, Fred has stood on under here, who went down. I don't think it looked great on him when he jumped back up like no. a, a minute later and it was a bizarre goal but it, it was a goal you can argue for the, the sportsmanship angle it, it was a goal I think there'd be more of a fury if United had, had, had not got the three points there but yeah it, it was an odd goal I mean, Smith Rowe I think is a really good player I know he's, he's done well. I'm not watching him every week, but I thought he had a decent game. Yeah, I was sat with Peter Smichael. I was working with him uh, on the game tonight. My left side is probably black and blue for the amount of times he elbowed me. He was angry about that goal being allowed. He yeah. was angry that De Gea didn't get up quicker. He was angry that Arsenal reacted and celebrated the way yeah. they did. <laughs> I said that I thought Ronaldo was going to miss. I just had a feeling. He said, absolutely not. It's Cristiano Ronaldo as he struck the ball in the back of the net. Um, I enjoyed that game, sat with Peter, actually. It's quite, you sort of still feel quite lucky. The fan inside you is still feeling feeling like this is a guy who was in goal for the treble and the next thing you know he's elbowing you in the side saying that Arsenal should be celebrating a goal but um, it didn't matter in the end did it? Could Arsenal maybe have shown a little bit more sportsmanship maybe am I being harsh my, my intonation's suggesting it? Yeah, they, they could have done of course they could have but it's, it's highly unlikely you're away at Old Trafford their fans were steaming into the away end before I got in quite late tonight singing we won the league in Manchester and goading Manchester United so I, I, I don't think it was likely that they were going to say actually no can you take the goal <laughs> away from us we, we prefer it to be nil-nil rather than be one up at Old Trafford we'd rather keep our dreadful away record <laughs> there was some old school chants tonight as well did you hear someone sh sing at one point you're not singing anymore yeah, yeah, I did fantastic it, it was I think it was the Arsenal fans <laughs> and I, I quite liked it if, if you're selling out 3,000 I know they're a big club um, but you only but, sing when you're winning came out yeah, as well, well didn't good. it? Yeah. I, I like stuff like that and it was, it was a decent atmosphere. It's getting confusing all the different chants for the different managers. I didn't hear any for Ralph tonight, Ralphie Ralphie. I saw some big flags. Uh, the TRA had a big flag out tonight. There's a big flag for uh, Oli Gunnar. Um, lots of songs for, for Michael Carrick as well. I think there's a good atmosphere about this place this year. And... When the team were really good, that wasn't always the case. It really declined throughout the 90s. When the Stratford M was taken down, when the terrace in vanished, the club didn't really care. And the club are communicating now. 
and they announced um, the day before the game about the fan advisory board. The proof will be in the pudding there whether there's going to be real power with those people or whether it's just a sop to the to, to the Glazers. But there's definitely been improvements in terms of uh, the fan communication leading to a much better atmosphere this year. It's just a shame the team's been been so bad. Yeah, tonight was a bit better, wasn't it? Certainly. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Stretford End, where he is at home. Ronaldo clatters it in! <laughs> Without compromise, with utter certainty! Right, let's talk about Ralph Ranick then. He's going to hold his press conference in the morning. He was here at Old Trafford for the match tonight. Laurie, did you see Ralph Ranick do anything inside this ground that interested you? He clapped when Ronaldo scored. I, I think he even stood up. Um, so is that a standing ovation? For, for the guy that... It is in tabloid speak, so let's go with it. <laughs> Standing ovation for Ronaldo from Ranić, the manager that everyone thinks he's going to drop Ronaldo because he can't press, which we've already sort of said he can, and also... I saw him press, so did you. We've all seen him press, and there's also, you know, this idea... There was a player at uh, Red Bull uh, Salzburg called Soriano who was basically the Austrian version, although he wasn't Austrian, Austrian league version of Ronaldo. Scored a load of goals, didn't really run about that much. And the team, I know he wasn't the manager ran yet, but he was the sporting director. Um, and the team basically was constructed to, to get him the ball and, and you know create scoring opportunities for him. They pressed you know so that he could kind of make his movements in the most effective way. That could happen with Ronaldo. So, but yeah, that's what I saw from Ranić. It was difficult. He was sat next to John Murta. I was sort of craning my neck trying to find him. Um, but there was a few, you know, Richard Arnold was here, Matt Judge was here, and, and you can see Matt Judge is a tall guy, so you, you can always spot him. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really see him. He, he had a notebook with him. I'd love to see what was in that notebook, but you know, he's obviously got you know a short turnaround now before the press conference at 9 a.m. and then he's got training with them. And then, but it's going to be you know a warm down session really. So his, first, his only training session before the Crystal Palace game will be Saturday. Can how much can you really instill? It's going to be. These are my ideas. He's been looking at stuff with his video analyst. Uh, he's been studying the games. He's got ideas clearly, but you know it's a different matter when you then get on the training pitch. I think and see how the players react to what you're telling them. So he's. I guess it's going to be a case of him putting his you know his character into them giving them certain instructions but probably having to keep it a bit simple because you know too much complexity you know might you know turn it disastrously really yeah Darren Fletcher had his earpiece in again so we were all pitch side sort of scrabbling to see if he was on the line to Ralph I, I can confirm he wasn't um anything about Ralph interests you Andy I couldn't really see him uh, I got I got told early on that he's arrived in the ground 
and he's with John Murta and Ed Woodward, but I've got n no evidence. Did you know, was Ed here? Did you know that? Ed was here, okay, yeah. Right. And David Beckham, actually, yeah, with his David son. David Beckham yeah. was here. And Peter Schmeichel, as you know, because you sat ne next Mark to him. Hughes, I've spotted as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad that Mark Hughes is coming to watch Manchester United again, actually, because he was a big star here in the 80s. And when he went away to manage all the different teams, he didn't like to talk about Manchester United, it seemed to me. And I spoke to him a year ago, and he was really affectionate talking about his time here. And so I'm pleased that you, you've said that. We're the only people left in this ground now, aren't we? Literally, we're about to get thrown out. I know, he won't throw us out. I know him. He'll be sweet. He won't throw us out. Well, he might do. <laughs> <laughs> we're about to find out, aren't we, one way or another. Final word then. What are we expecting from Ralph in the morning? I think probably by the point people are listening to this, they will have either heard from Ralph or they're about to hear from Ralph. I don't know why I keep calling him Ralph rather than Rangik. It just feels more natural almost. What are we expecting from him in the morning? Well, he's meeting us at nine o'clock in the morning and that's the first in-person press conference um, here in the post-Covid era, if I'm not mistaken. That's right, yeah. Um, I know there are a few European away games. Um, I just think it's a really interesting time. And I'll give you an example. Laurie talked about video analysts then. Well, United have already got one. They've got a few they're actually very good at the job so the new man comes in and says actually my man's here how does he fit that jigsaw in is Michael Carrick going is, does that make it easier for him because he doesn't have to accommodate him how much does he know about these people does he what's his opinion of, of Darren Fletcher or Kieran McKenna it's very difficult just to make a, a judgment in such a short space of time about people who are going to be vital to your your working setup and he hasn't got much time and he'll be flavouring a month for a short period of time but he's got to be winning pretty much from the start because if he's not he's going to be right on top of him even though the fans are patient here it's still going to be a massive level of of scrutiny onto him so I'd be interested to see what it's like with the media whether he's charismatic um some of the interviews he gave were really good um but that was probably because he's wanted to work in England um, and I've, I've interviewed foreign managers where, you know, they're giving their best version of themselves. What's it going to be like with the, the people who's going to be speaking to, to every week? So I, I'm interested. It's fascinating. It's just this big soap opera Manchester United. It never, never stops. There's always a story, even when you don't expect it. And there's a big story here tonight and then another big one because Michael Carrick's gone. So what's coming next is just non-stop. And there's times, and I don't know how, how Laurie feels about it, I sometimes say to my wife, look, I've just got to forget about this weekend because, you know, Ollie's just been sacked or it's all the time. You know, I'm, I know we're on the first day of our holiday, but United have just signed Ronaldo and I'm really, really sorry. And I like it. I, I do, but it's just non-stop. Yeah. I'm not talking about the rain here tonight. Oh. I wish that was bleeding stop. <laughs> Randy, it's about to find out that it's non-stop as well. Andy, halfway through your answer... A man with grey hair and glasses walked out to take a picture and I thought for a moment it was Ralph Ranić. It wasn't, Laurie, was it? Did you think the same? Yeah, I did see him. He looks a bit of a, a spitting image, so maybe he could be the double. If, any, if ever Ralph's under a bit of pressure and he wants to... Uh, we're all calling him Ralph now. Yeah. And he wants somebody else to take the flat. Like, there's your guy. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, I've enjoyed doing this in person rather than on the internet like we've been doing. But before we get either locked in or kicked out. I think it's about time that we draw this to a close. Don't forget, you can still get a discount on a subscription on The Athletic, 33% at the moment. Go to theathletic.com forward slash Man United pod to do exactly that. All the very best Manchester United coverage is on there at the minute. But from us, we can say goodnight. Well, Andy, go on. Yeah, you know, outside the ground tonight, I was struck by how many people came up to me who listened to this podcast 
and yeah. I know Laurie's been getting feedback as well. Loads and loads and loads of people were coming up, and they all said it's absolutely terrible. No, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I've just been listening to it today. I was listening to you on the toilet today. Nice one, mate. <laughs> Cheers for that. But it was great. You know, it shows that that, that people listen. So I appreciate all of them, them them comments and. um Good night. Yeah, amen to that. Good night, Laurie. Good night. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. We've had a few Spotify, you know, on Instagram and all that. Top listens. So thanks very much. It really does mean a lot. Yeah, thank you everyone. And we'll see you on the next one. We should have previewed Crystal Palace actually, but never mind. We'll talk about it on the next podcast after that match has been played. See you later. Thank you for listening. Bye bye. The Athletic. <laughs>